0: And definitely check out those shows as well. Johanna Kaplan is the author of The Loss of Memory is Only Temporary Stories. Johanna is the author also of Other People's Lives, A Collection of Stories, and Oh My America, a novel. Her books were finalists for the National Book Award, the American Book Award, and the Hemingway Foundation PEN Award, and she has twice received the National Jewish Book Award for Fiction as well as the Edward Lewis Wallant Award and the Kenneth B. Smilin slash Present Tense Literary Award. Her stories, essays, and reviews have appeared in Commentary, Harper's Magazine, Moment, the New York Times Book Review, and City Journal, and her stories have been widely anthologized. Her essay, Tales of My Great Grandfathers, appears in the shocking anthology Who We Are on Being and Not Being a Jewish American Writer. A native New Yorker, she lives in Manhattan and for many years worked as a teacher of emotionally disturbed children at Mount Sinai Hospital. She is currently at work on a novel with the tentative title Forbidden. Welcome, Johanna. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss loss of memory
1: is only temporary stories. It's my pleasure and, and honor to be with you, Zibi. It really, I think this is a great honor. It's, it's very flattering, and I'm really thrilled and pleased to be here.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, it's a beautiful collection of stories. I loved the preface by Francine Prose, who I also adore. And of course, Myra Coleman's beautiful illustration on the cover. I got so lucky with that cover. Oh my gosh, it's beautiful. So yes. So yes. you have such an interesting story. So tell tell listeners who might not be familiar with your work how you had this massively successful book and were nominated for everything, for Other People's Lives and also O America. And, and you've been teaching. Tell, tell us like your life, you know, the life of a National Book Award nominated author who's now back with this new collection.
1: I feel very, very lucky to be back because I, despite all the awards that I did win, The books got really very little attention, aside from those awards. And many places gave me awards and sort of dinners that I went to and spoke at. But otherwise, I really did feel that my books had become a secret between me and (laughs) those few people like cousins and friends and the people who actually donated the awards. But then it was gone. And I had a very busy life because I was teaching full time. I taught for 35 years, which, you know, I mean, even to me, that sounds like. A- <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you teach and where? I taught emotionally disturbed children who were hospitalized for psychiatric illness. Wow. At um, it was a board of education job, but I was placed within a hospital setting. And so there was a very small school. There were, you know, like five teachers. And that was the school. Wow. We had, I think, three or four classes. And in the earlier years, I taught the younger children. That is like elementary grades. It was always like kids from seven or no. Actually, I taught even five-year-olds, but they had to be able to sort of keep up. I don't mean academically. I mean, they had to be able to sort of keep up in a social way in the class. Otherwise, I banned them. (laughs) So I taught the kids from five to nine, say. And then toward the end of my teaching career, I taught the high school kids, the adolescents. And at that time, also several times a week, I went to another setting where there was a GED program for kids who had dropped out of school, out of high school, and who wanted to get their high school diplomas. Wow. So, okay, so
0: I cut you off. Sorry. You were talking about that you were you didn't get very much attention. You were teaching full-time. Keep going.
1: So I was teaching full-time, but I did keep on writing. And ultimately, and I did get many stories published. There are a bunch of stories and actually a novella that are not in this collection because they didn't quite belong They didn't fit with this. So I'm hoping that there will be another collection that would include both that novella and the short stories. And so I I did keep on writing, but as I got older, that got harder to do to manage it all. And so I would say I haven't written as much as I would have wished to write, but I have a novel that I intend to go back to. I mean, I left it some years, I don't know, maybe five years ago, something like that. And I definitely want to go back to it now because the characters keep talking to me. There's nothing I can do about it. I mean, I didn't officially, I didn't feel that I officially said goodbye to them. I couldn't. I would say that in a sense I tried, but they kept popping back up. So there was nothing I could do about it. I would take notes about who said what and who had what dream and all that sort of thing. And and now I really am, I mean, now I have to go back to it. So wow. So that's really the story of my career or life as a writer. And I think it should give courage to young writers who don't know exactly where they're
0: going. Interesting, how do you so I know the characters keep coming back to you, but in all of the stories, I know that right you know my the co-founder of my publishing firm, Lee Newman, always tells me about how actually because she's a short story writer and how it's actually much harder to write a perfect short story than a whole novel because you have to make sure every sentence is just right and you don't have that much room to pull off what it is you're trying to do, so you have to do beginning, middle, you know all of this stuff. how did you become so well versed in the short story, and how do you keep coming, how do you, just how do you do it? How do you, how do you write great
1: short stories? Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. I think the form sort of announces itself with the character or the characters, but sometimes you can be deceived by the characters Mm. because, well, because the novel that I, I am going to go back to began with a short story idea and then suddenly the characters took over. And there was sort of nothing I could do about it from that point of view. Hmm. Otherwise, I I think I'm very careful about sentences, whether it's a short story or a novel. I'm very concerned with a a sentence feeling perfect to me. Mm -hmm. I can never tell what will seem perfect to a reader, but I have to go with what seems perfect to me. Interesting. Interesting. When you read, do you look for the same thing in the books that you read? I guess I do. Yes, that's a very good question. I do, because I prefer books. I tend to prefer writers who do write what I think of as great sentences. They're not perfect sentences, but great, great sentences that have within them phrases that just knock you out. Mm-hmm. So like, who, who
0: does that really well? Like one or two people, not to put you on the spot, but...
1: Well, I would say Cynthia Ozick does that mm-hmm. too. That's just mind blowing. Yep. And in, in this collection, there is a story that pays homage to the great Russian writer. We now know he was actually Ukrainian, whoever knew that, but he was, Isaac Babel. And that story is in a way most interesting to me because I put him, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a fact but I put him in the same battlefront train that a real great aunt was on. They were never on the same train together, but I wanted, because he was a writer who wrote about his experiences as a war correspondent. And she was, the, she was assigned by the then Soviet, the beginning Soviet administration to be, she was a first year doctor. She had no choices. Mm. They put her on a battlefront train and I wanted to imagine his meeting her and his impressions of her and of the, the battlefields they were going through and how it, so he, he is par excellence. The writer, I would say, writes every sentence is so perfect and so beautiful. I think I reread that book a hundred times.
0: Wow. Isn't it funny how it's, you know, a book can, uh, this sounds so silly now that I'm saying it out loud, but you just don't know what you're going to get. Like you, it look, they all look uh, the same, but whether you, and there's no good way to tell when you're picking up a book and it's going to be one of these incredible literary masterpieces with the, the, on the sentence level, or if it's going to be like a page turn all you can rely on is the cover. Do you know what I mean? Like you just don't know.
1: I you, know, you know by reputation yeah that's true I know that didn't sound very I was no just no, no. It, you do you know by reputation and also if you don't know you would you know look at it you would yeah, read a little see, yeah you, you would read a little or maybe even just skim a little and you could tell very quickly who writes a real sentence and who perhaps has something else in mind
0: all right I'm going to pick at random one of your sentences to show off your your writing chops here too let's see How about this one? From behind all the black lines, Fran's eyes looked as if she was already set to start flirting. But even so, her arm would not let go of Miriam's shoulder. It was just another thing that Miriam did not like. Simply going from one activity to another, the whole bunk walked with their arms linked around each other's waist. At flag lowering, you joined hands and swayed in a semicircle. In swimming, you had to jump for someone else's dripping hand. The second the whistle blew, and at any time at all, there were counselors standing with their arms around kids for no particular reason. They were all people you hardly knew and would probably never see again. There was no reason to spend a whole summer hugging them.
1: <laughs> That's from my story, Sour or suntanned about, girl, about that very sharp-eyed girl in camp. And one of the things I've thought of just recently is how many of the stories I've written are about children who see what adults don't expect them to see Mm. and how that probably happens in life a great deal more than people than parents say no about I mean I'm only guessing since I'm not a parent but I think since I had that sense that I saw things that of course you couldn't say I mean in the stories the character says them but in life I would never have said such things interesting
0: interesting Dot com slash moms don't have time. Here, I'll pick another. I'll pick another passage from a different story. Okay, how about this? Is just a, this is a passage from other people's lives. Rebecca's arm was still around Maria. They had reached the house, but continued standing outside it. In her cold and discomfort, Louise concentrated on the odd quality of Rebecca's voice. She had quacked French verbs at students for so many years that now, without knowing it, she could not stop. The quacking. Worse, she plowed down on words and consonants with lingering, lopsided lips, and with her tongue, emphasized the sounds that students in a dict- dictation might have forgotten to underline.
1: That's great. Well, so thank great. you so much, Zibi. I've actually sort of forgotten that characteristic of Louise, but Louise in that story is a very sharp eyed young woman, no matter what her troubles are. And she is a very troubled girl. She um, was in a mental hospital for a couple of years. And in this story, it's her first time out. They've placed her with a family on the Upper West Side. So I know that kind of apartment very well. <laughs> but what I did with that that novella, because that's actually a novella, not a short story. I, and I've done this in, in some other things also. I put two people together who could never really have been together. Mm -hmm. I put them in the same situation or in the same place. And that's another way of getting ideas for me. Mm. I mean, because my major way of getting ideas really is I hear a character's voice Mm. and a character is saying something. I have to find out who that character is. And almost always there is a quick answer. In other words, there's another that character is speaking to someone. Then I find out who that someone is. And then I have to find out more about them. Sometimes if I let them keep talking, they tell me. But sometimes I have to kind of figure it out. Why and who are, why are they saying those things? And who are they? Interesting.
0: Yeah, I hear that novelists or short story writers often get spoken to by by characters. But was there ever a time when you thought you were just hearing voices or did you always know it was it was directed at a novel or on the
1: page well when i was a child it was just a fantasy right you know children have fantasies so but i knew from very young that i wanted to be a writer you did i did i didn't know that i would be able to do it because, <laughs> no because i thought you know like that's the greatest thing in the world how do i dare imagine that i could do such a thing but I'll tell you, I mean, this is going to sound rather silly, but one of the books I loved as a child was Heidi. Mm-hmm. And the author is Johanna Spyri, And it's about a little girl who's very close to her grandfather. And I was named Johanna. And I was also very close to my grandfather. So I thought, well, you know, if she could do it, perhaps I could do it, too.
0: Wow. I had the similar thing happen with an author named Zibby O'Neill. And she wrote middle grade fiction. And I was, I don't know, 10, 11, something like that, and already loved writing. And I saw her book in a store on Madison Avenue. And I was like,
1: wow, another Zibby. Well, you know what? It's possible. <laughs> Who knows? I think that students of names does make a difference somehow. It strikes you, especially if you have an unusual name, as I do, and you do also. Mm-hmm. So it does, I think that's part of it. I think if you were named Jane or Susan, it might not hit you yeah. in the same
0: way. It no, could. you'd say, forget it. I'll never be a writer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone who wants to be a writer should ever say that. True. Good point. I mean, if you feel that you want to do it, you go ahead and at least try it. hmm know. That's true.
0: Yes. What other good advice do you have for aspiring
1: authors? Keep at it. Mm-hmm. And to read, well, especially, I think um, people who want to be writers tend to have read a lot in childhood. And I think that's an enormous boon and an enormous imperative, really. Yeah. You can't. You can't, I I think if you didn't read a lot as a child, I don't really think you can become a writer. But there could be, I'm sure there are people who would say they didn't read a lot as children, but came to it at some later point.
0: I know I worry because, you know, I have four kids and they read a little to differing degrees, but I read all the time. I mean, that was my thing. Maybe that was just me, but I I just feel like it's much more rare these days to have total bookworms when you're competing with devices and all of that but i I think that's
1: absolutely no i think that's true and i think parents um, that i've heard about i mean many parents don't allow a tv in the house Mm -hmm. and are very 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 careful about what what they allow kids to do on devices also they shower them with books yeah they read to them a lot and shower them with books so i think that that takes care of it really yeah, I hope although it know. is, it's bound to be harder in a world where there, <clears throat> where there were no devices and TV was very limited. Really, yep, when yep. I was a child, it was very limited. What you had to do, really, aside from being with friends, reading was kind of it. Yep, it's true. Unless you were very athletic, and that that of course led to a whole different life. That's true.
0: My only electronic growing up was this tiny little game. It was like a Casio game called Snoopy Tennis. <laughs> like it was like it it was like a credit card it was like a credit card size and you would just like press these two buttons and it lasted for (laughs) I don't know anyway
1: that
0: was my only uh my only electronic so what what are you hoping for by publishing the book now this book like what are you hoping for who do you want to reach what would make you
1: really happy I would love to reach young readers I mean people from 20 to 40s because Obviously, I'm old enough so that the people who have read me and enjoyed my work tend to be on the far side of 50. (laughs) Put it that way. And I would love to reach readers who are really young and coming to this work for the first time and seeing in it things that really speak to them because it's a book about families, essentially. Mm -hmm. And the differences in generations and the differences in the way people become Americans. And I really believe that there's a profound sense in which we are all on the same page internally. I mean, because if that were not true, we couldn't read with pleasure writers who died hundreds of years ago or even thousands of years ago. So there is something inside everyone that really is the same or close enough to the same that you can make that connection. And certainly in terms of families and children and how children grow up and what they see and what they perceive in the world around them, that's got to be universal. Very true. I love it.
0: Amazing. Well, that's it. Johanna, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for mastering Zoom and getting over your, <laughs> facing your fear and chatting with me today. Um, I'm impressed. And, you know, you have a better Zoom background than almost anyone I've interviewed. So there you go. I so, don't, really. <laughs> yeah, it's perfectly blurred and everything. So well done.
1: Well, thank you so much, Zibi. This has been an enormous treat for me. And I'm really, really proud and thrilled to, to have been with you.
0: Thank you. You too. And bravo on your collection. And I wish you all the best of luck.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. bye -bye. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.